Hello and welcome to Talking to Lead Hers, the podcast where we extend the conversation around female entrepreneurship beyond the challenges and instead focus on positivity and the actions we can each take to drive change. Hi, I'm Gemma Hall, an associate in the corporate team at CMS. In today's episode, I am talking to Leila White, founder and CEO of Tech Passport, about the role her advisory board plays in the development of the business, how to get comfortable with pitching, and how to capture the value of your network. Thank you for joining us today, Leila. Thank you for having me. Um, firstly, it would be great to hear about your motivation for building Tech Passport and get an understanding of the solution that is provided by the platform. And so I I started Tech Passport um, three years ago. Um, it was off the back of working in banks for many years. Um, I was always in vendor-facing roles, um, so often uh, procurement or commercial management or vendor management. And I was always that person that the vendors had to negotiate against and they wanted to avoid. Um, and it was whilst I was at HSBC and I was in procurement onboarding fintechs that I realised there was a real gap. Um, with the businesses wanting to go faster and access more innovative technology and onboard faster. Um, and a couple of key things happened. So Andy Maguire, who was the global CIO, gave a speech to everybody in procurement and said, we need to get onboarding down to four weeks. And um, I nearly fell off my chair thinking like that's completely impossible. You know, we just managed to get NDAs and POCs to four weeks. Um, and then there was something else that happened with a, um, another member of the team, a separate team said, we need to get on board, get these supplies on faster. I remember saying, you can't do that. You know, this is at HSBC. It takes a long time, which is, I think, committing a cardinal sin um, to say this is how it's always been done. So I think with my kind of background in, in vendor governance, it really stood out to me that actually if banks want to really affect this, and it's not just HSBC, it's across the whole of the, the landscape. Um, then they need an aggregator to make it work because in, in essence, they're all asking the same information. They're all asking to connect with similar kind of suppliers. They're all under the same kind of regulations as each other. And so the plan as I saw it was how do we get as much of that information on the supplier and on the bank as far forward in the process as possible because the bank is always going to be dependent upon the supplier responding, even if they put information out in the public domain, which is which is great. You know, Barclays have done it, HSBC have done it, all of the suppliers that have signed up to uh, the fintech pledge have done it, but there's still a missing part, and that's the information from the supplier. So, Tech Passport um, is basically that uh, centre of the innovation. So, what we enable and what we bring to it is um, a rapid access to certified buyers for the fintechs and a rapid access to certify suppliers for the banks. And so we're doing that through working with an amazing set of banks. Um, I can't wait to be able to announce it, to come up with this new set of minimum requirements that startups need to be conformant on. And we've called them the enterprise ready questions. And I think it's a huge signal out to the whole of the sector that um, this, in order for change and in order for improvement, they have to come together. And I think to have these 14, 15, I think it's 15 by the end of the week, these banks saying, yes, but we need to do this together. I think it's a huge signal and, and hopefully one that really makes it easier for innovation to thrive, not just to, you know, for startups to have a two year runway and then fall over because they've run out of money, but have a real solid chance of being successful because we hear so frequently and our, our clients, our banks hear so frequently that startups come up with an amazing piece of technology, but they just can't sell. They can't deliver it in the right way. and um, this hopefully makes it much, much easier 
for the innovators to innovate on both sides and in a trusted environment. Thank you for that, Leila. Um, we're going to talk now um, about your advisory board. In the early stages of growing a business, we know that it's hugely important to have the right team around you, providing access to a variety of perspectives and experiences. It would be great to hear about how you've established your advisory board and the benefits you have seen as a result of having them on board. Yeah, so um, I think I think my kind of first sort of comment on this from an advisory board perspective, it's really important that you get people who are, first of all, really invested in what you're doing, really believe in what you're doing. And you want people who are going to be super critical. Um, and we've, we've been unbelievably lucky. I didn't realise how unique it was um, until recently when I was speaking, I think it's to yourselves, actually. But we've, we've, we're lucky that we've got a, an amazing advisory board. So we have uh, Steve Suarez, who's the Global Head of Innovation for Functions at um, HSBC. Uh, we're about to announce Sean Manahan, who's the global head of tech BD at Mr. Stanley. Uh, we've got a couple of others on the list waiting to execute. Um, but we're also really conscious that we don't just want banks' perspectives on this. So we're now building out a supplier advisory board. Um, so we make sure that you know, through our marketplace that we're developing, it's multi-sided. So we should have both sides of the parties come into this as well. Um, it's, I think it's it's really important for many different reasons to have a strong and good advisory board on what you're looking for. So, like I said, it's important to have ones that are going to be fully invested and critical. But advisory boards play a really important role with startups um, in building trust. Um, so I've been reading an excellent book that my advisor actually told me to read. Um, and it talks about trust and how startups um, need to build this and, and three key ways of doing it. Um, because obviously, if you're in a new company, you need other companies or buyers to trust you. Um, so one is obviously through endorsements, and two is through like a, um, a like a clear value add, like you can show that you've you've been you've got good financials, for example. But the other one is through your team and your resources. Um, and so that to us is where it's become really really key in having that strong advisory board. Because whilst I think that our weight, Gemma and mine, for example, our, um, our gravitas carries us to a certain level. Having having key stakeholders or key members of the sector who are really respected has been instrumental for us in terms of building that trust out with our network. And because they can see, you know, two big um, names in the sector are willing to put their names to Tech Passport and endorse us and support us. It's been it's paramount. So having having that feedback having that trust is really important but they've been exceptional in helping us to shape where we are developing tech passport and taking it as well um especially because they understand the sector so well but um in saying that as i said earlier it's really important you for us that we have both sides of the coins we have the banking side and supplier side so we're announcing over the next week or so we've got five um suppliers coming to the advisory board um which is really really important to us but um on top of that, I'm going to talk a waffle, but on top of that, what we're also really excited about is that we're building out um, a think tank, which is kind of an advisory board in itself. Um, so we've got 14 of the biggest banks in the whole world working with us, um, advising us to help us build out a new set of enterprise-ready questions to make it easier for, for both parties to engage. So, yeah, it's it's super important. And how have you secured getting those members onto the advisory board? As, as this, you know, what what ways have you managed to to um, add them to the board? I think I think reputation. I tell I, we talk about it a lot within our team. Reputation to me and to us is really really important. 
And I, I think the reality is that Tech Passport's been going three years, but for us to get those advisors, actually it's been 14, 15 years in the making. It's about building those, foundation, those foundations. And it was always really important to me prior to Tech Passport that my reputation was, you know, not just intact, but squeaky clean. And so I think the reality is, like, I, I got those advisors because of the network that I had um, and the endorsements that I had uh, from previous jobs where I worked as a contractor across Lloyd's, across HSBC and across uh, Deutsche Bank. And so it meant that, for example, when we brought Sean onto the advisory board, that was through an endorsement from uh, a manager that I kind of reported into or two levels below, Kenny Ezeluke, who was at Deutsche Bank. He then went across to Morgan Stanley um, onto the board of directors. And then when I started Tech Passport, I said, hey, Kenny, I'm going to be in New York. Um, can I buy you lunch? I've got this idea. And I wondered if you could just critique it and tell me if I'm crazy. Um, but you know, how, to have someone of that gravitas um, to sit down with me and have lunch, I think that was, again, off the back of my reputation, that he knew I, he'd known I did a, a good job. And from that, he just opened the doors. He just said, right, I'm going to you know, introduce you to Sean. Um, and then Steve, Steve was um, really recommended to me by um, a lady called Rita Martins, who heads up the innovation or works in the innovation team with Steve. We met because I was talking to her about what we're doing and they should sign up as a client. Um, and then she said, you know what, Steve, Steve would be a really, really good mentor. So I met with Steve and we just hit it off straight away. And he's, I think both of them have said that it's, I, I get really embarrassed about this, but this question came up recently, like, why did you, why did you sign up to Tech Passport? And I think it was, it goes back to that reputation. It was down to myself and obviously the team as well. Um, and knowing that it's, it's not just about having a great product. It's about having people who are working in that senior team you know are going to work really hard and you've got a great reputation and they've got a lot of energy about them so I think it, it always comes back down to reputation I would say Gemma and um, so I've been super fortunate I still get really embarrassed um, about it but at one, some point uh, my imposter syndrome will leave the room but it's still there but yeah it's yeah it's it is reputation always I think. Thank you for that Leila that's really useful um, we often hear about startups that have high profile investors or former founders on board, but you may not always get the most out of these relationships beyond the initial funding commitment. How can founders best nurture these relationships and get the best from those they are working with? Um, I think, so if we look at investors, we've got an amazing suite of investors, actually. Uh, we've decided to go with angel investors rather than VCs just yet. Lots of reasons why. I think we're still quite small and we want to be agile enough. And so we decided not to go towards VCs. We want to have a bit more control over what's going on. But that being said, um, like one of our angel investors um, is the chairperson on Form 3. I think I'm allowed to say that. But he's also um, our Ned um, and his, his experience is phenomenal. So I think if I give, give that as an example, I think we've, we've taken approach with every single investor that we have to have a relationship with um, and even though with our seed round it went through a fund and that's how it's managed we've made a point of of actually building the relationship with them so we give them time and attention obviously it's not every month but um, once they signed up we we said you know obviously I'm, I'm massively humbled by it Gemma I, I find it remarkable that anyone would put money into our company it makes me quite emotional but I felt that you know it shouldn't just be a business transaction it's like you know someone's Someone's put cash into something. That's that's pretty big, you know. Even if they've got loads of money, that's huge, you know. And and we're very humble. So 
we try and have a direct relationship with every single one. And it's proved to be really successful because we want them to be bought into it. They want to, we want them to know that we're spending their money wisely. But actually what we haven't realised is that they're really happy to be involved in it and excited. And so quite a few of them have said, you know, I've got a connection here or I've, I've got some ideas or I know some people. And so they're proactively engaging with it. And it's, it's just made it so much more beneficial than I kind of probably ever would have considered. But having that personal kind of engagement and one-to-one relationship is super important. Um, in fact, um, next week, we've got um, a Meet the Team event. Um, we're bringing all of our advisors, all of our investors in for drinks and canapes at our, our office space. We've made a point of saying we're not taking out for dinner and expensive drinks because that's your money. We'll be really careful. <laughs> um, but I think having that, forging those relationships is really, really important. And I think that um, I think that's really kind of why Tech Passport is so successful. Um, that we give the time and attention to them and the same way with the advisors um it's making sure you give that time and you listen to them because Gemma we I don't know everything um and uh, there's I think there are some things that I know really well but most things I don't um and so being able to lean on a network and actually being transparent and open and saying I'm not good at this I want to learn but do you know how to do it I think being open about it and, and surrounding yourself with clever people um, is really important. That's so I think that communication thing for us is really key. So one of the most daunting times for founders is typically when they start approaching investors and pitching to securing to secure funding. What has your experience been of this process and how has your approach evolved over time? Massively evolved over time. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. Um, so we kind of got a sense last year that we needed to raise investment. And so we started off with this pitch deck and it was it was awful. I look back now and it's funny. I hear a lot of people of like founders and they say they look back at their first website or their first baby, you know, their, their product, their, their platform and they look back and cringe. Um, it's definitely like my first sales um, investment pitch deck. So I would say um, we, we knew that we would have to raise and we were getting some advice from someone who um, built quite a successful company. But I realised pretty soon on that we were raising too early and we needed to have a bank under our belt. So that period of time between having that bank and then raising, it was very, very challenging because it does take time. You have to build in, even for a, a seed, you have to really build in six months worth of time. And it was hair raising, you know, running out of money, a really, really stressful period. And I think that's where a lot of startups kind of fall fall short. And, and we were nearly that startup. But I think the number one takeaway from that was make sure you're raising at the right time. Two, I don't get upset. Or if I don't take it to heart when I get a no. We don't get any, they don't get no's anymore, which is really lovely to hear. But um, the really important thing when you're talking to investors is to find out why. Um, it's, you want to, if they say no, it, that's not a bad thing. It's a learning opportunity and how you evolve. Um, so if I think back to how I used to pitch tech basketball, I found it really difficult to articulate what we were doing at the start because I had so many ideas in my head. But now I think over time you begin to evolve your your pitch and what you're doing and evolve yourself and how you present yourself. So I think take that opportunity to maybe talk to some friendly investors, I think would be really, really helpful. That helped us massively. Make sure your timing's right. Make sure you've got um, you've got some revenue so you can show that you've got a growth trajectory. Um, we often get asked about who our competitors are. We've got some that are in the periphery, um, but nothing, no one's doing anything specific. But that's the kind of key things that get asked. But um, 
it's I think in terms of like how we've been successful now um I've also found it really helpful to work with um one person who is like the lead investor or will be kind of um managing the round um so we've had an, an amazing fund manager um a guy called Nick um at Exodus Ventures who who saw what we were doing who thought it was amazing and so he corralled his network and that I think worked a lot better for us because where I particularly find it difficult and I'm, I'm sure I'm not the only founder is that you're juggling so many balls and you're, you've got so many things to do and you know if I look back to when we we were doing this, this investment there were only you know three four of us in the team and so trying to sort the investment and chase down every single day single one of those leads was really really time consuming when you're trying to run a company and you're trying to drive the sales so actually going to Nick through through Exodus Ventures was a real turning point for us because he then drove it. I still had to get on the calls for the investors, but he helped to make sure that the pitch was sharp. And then he was sort of setting up the, those initial meetings. And actually some of them, some of them came on board and said, yeah, they don't even need to meet Tech Passport because they believe in it. They like it. So I think that was a real turning point for us because what you ultimately want to do is free up your time as a founder to sell. Because if you're not selling, it's, it's kind of an oxymoron or a juxtaposition, if that makes sense. Like you, you need to get the sales in to get the investment in. But if you're spending all your time doing the investment, you haven't got time to get the sales in. So it's, um, that, I found, was the best way to do it. And being on the calls and being able to validate it. Um, and, and being honest with you, having the endorsement from, from people like Steve Suarez, from Sean Manahan, from Ekene, like, um, you know, these are really well people who are known in the market. Some of those people just had to have those names and they said, yeah, we're in, like I get it. So I think, yeah, it's try and find a way to reduce the amount of time that you're spending on it. Find someone that really believes in it and will help you drive that through and close that investment round. There's nothing wrong with going out to multiple angel investors rather than just looking for one, because there's a lot of value that each of those angel investors bring. But just learn from the nose and just evolve it over time and just learn. Like if you get a long, a long maybe, it's a killer. But, um, you know, you want to get to that no first and you want to find out why so you can come back and impress them later on, on or evolve yourself. You mentioned getting feedback from the investors when you hear a no. How easy is that? I mean, how does how does that tend to work when you're going back and asking for feedback? I think if you try and go back after the event, it's very difficult. I think you have to be quite um, confident with asking on the call. Gemma, our growth manager, has has <laughs> helped me evolve massively. Where I was always quite shy to sort of just say, "Are you going to invest?" Uh, I just find it really cringy because I'm not a sales person. But Gemma, Gemma's got an amazing way about her, and I watched her in action. And you know, twenty. I think the first time I saw it, we were raising a pre-seed round. And we were 20 minutes into the call. The guy was showing a lot of kind of positive uh, notes or feedback about what we're doing. And Gemma just said, is there anything that would stop you from or prevent you from uh, saying yesterday? And that was the golden nugget. And I just never had the guts to do it. But um, she is worth her weight in gold. And I think being able to say at some point where you feel like you've had enough of a conversation, is there anything that prevents you from saying yesterday? And every single time it was actually with that round, it was like, no, OK. And um, we, we did have one person that said, uh, maybe I just need to understand that. And, and I think that opens up the conversation for them to say where their concerns are. Um, and then from that one conversation, for example, where it was a bit of a not sure, we were able to alleviate his concerns. And he said yes. And I think the record time we had for closing investment on calls, like 
25 minutes. It was so quick. But I think having the the confidence to say, is there anything preventing you from saying yes today? I think that's the key, really. Bob, thank you for that, Leila. Um, Lead Hers was established in response to the findings of the Rose Review to support underrepresented founders, particularly as they are scaling their business. What has your experience been of establishing a startup within the tech space? How have you been able to utilise your network throughout this time? Network is really, really important, I would say. Um, we're unbelievably lucky to have Gemma Young um, as our growth manager, as my sidekick. We, we um, fondly call each other Gemla. Um, so, so Gemma is the founder of um, Women of Fintech. She's got over, I think, 10,000 followers. It's been paramount um, in terms of us growing ourselves. I think from getting um, endorsements um, into um, from from like the banks who are on the on the um, on the platform that she runs. Um, also, even in terms of growing our team, I mean. Quite a, a few of the team members have come from women of fintech or, or connections out of that as well um, and it's also a really good opportunity for us to test what we're doing as well um, it's it's what you want are friendly people who are going to give you feedback who want to see you succeed and i think especially with that group of women it's you know it's a kind of real sisterhood you know we support each other um, and so being able to say, I'm thinking about doing this, what do you think? And being able to test it out with that market has been really, really important. So it's it's been paramount. And and one of the reasons why Gemma is so important to the growth and the success of Tech Passport, and I tell her all the time, um, is her ability to grow a community. Um, and so we're, we're really building this community ethos into the platform with the suppliers and with the banks. We want them to recognise it's a community that they will endorse each other. We want feedback on both parties. Um, and so it's, yeah, it's it, it's been paramount for us growing. Um, and I think it will be paramount for us to sort of continue as well. Um, so, yeah, it's I think in other kind of communities that we've touched into, obviously with you guys over at CMS has been really, really helpful. Um, we're quite new into it, but I'm really looking forward to going to, um, going to some of your events um but um i think being part of something bigger in a way with other startups and other founders who are going through the same kind of challenges as you are it's really helpful um one of the standout moments for me um actually um was through Gemma's network but before before she started working with me um i was in touch with a couple of the founders um and they were co-founders of companies and it was a real tough time for me um probably back end of last year trying to work out you know what to do next because the path to success is never never straight um and i had two separate calls with these amazing actually an amazing woman um and she's grown her company with her husband and she said right let's get a glass of wine just like offload and i i can't tell you like how valuable it was because not having a co-founder it you know it can be really challenging to not have that kind of support and and i think the only people who ever really understand what it's like as a founder is another founder. Um, so I think from a community perspective, it's been really, really powerful on, on many different levels. But um, yeah, definitely recommend signing up to Gemma's Network. It's a brilliant uh, group of women. So yeah, very helpful. As part of the CMS Equip Lead Hers initiative, we are encouraging everyone to commit to one positive action, big or small to support underrepresented founders over the coming months. What positive action will you take to support founders in the tech space who are just getting started? So this fits really, really well into what we're doing. Um, 
I've only touched upon it lightly, but we're building out these enterprise ready, ready questions. And so the idea is that we know that, that startups often find it difficult to work with banks. Quite often they might get a yes from a bank to say, yes, we want to run a trial with you. And then they're, and they're successful. And, um, and then they get to the big, massive set of questions that the bank sends them of like four, five, six hundred. And then they're not ready. Like they haven't fulfilled all their requirements. So part of what we're doing is encapsulating those key questions, those enterprise-ready questions. And it's really, really important that we don't just ask suppliers to answer them, but where they're not ready, we want to educate them and we want to do it for free because it's really important that we don't just leave those new startups on the side. We want to help them and cultivate them because that I think that's for how the whole ecosystem becomes successful. But in part of that, one of the key things that we're picking up and my commitment is we are um, adapting the platform to make sure that we pick up if the supplier is founded or on the senior team has um, underrepresented um, uh, underrepresented people, so um, women or of ethnic minority, um, as all part of like the kind of real push for ESG. And we're seeing a lot of banks that are looking at that as well with more, you know, more rigour. Um, certainly with like um, the banks that we're working with, they want to be able to say, we have we can confidently say that we've worked with banks, worked with suppliers that have got female founders. And so our commitment to this um, which works really well with you, is that we will be picking that up. Um, and then again, through Gemma's network and community, we'll be supporting them um, through the like the whole collaboration piece. So yeah, it's it's really, really important to us, Gemma, I think. Um, and it's uh, women, supporting women is um, key for us. Thank you so much for that, Leila. Um, so thank you uh, to Leila from Tech Passport for joining us today. If you would like more information on Tech Passport, then please visit techpassport.io. If you want to hear more about CMS's startup programme Equip or the Lead Hers initiative, go to the startup section of cms.law. Mm-hmm.